3: Everybody, Samson Folk here. Just a heads up on this particular podcast you're listening to. It was the first of which that we recorded in person, which led to some new, uh, I suppose, difficulties or hurdles as far as the audio mixing. I had to do quite a lot of it. So there will be some inconsistencies in the volume. And uh, just a heads up, if you don't want to listen to it with headphones, or if you do, um, please be mindful of that. And uh, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy it. And this will always get better in the future okay bye bye
2: all right guys welcome to another episode of pull up Trade pod it's a very special one this is going to be a year in review and for a year in review we kind of need a special guest um he's my personal friend i'm his number one fan. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have a lead mba reporter s how are you doing, brother i'm good man i'm good chilling
0: appreciate it you guys are uh, are welcome yes you guys are friends here in in the humble abode The of, mansion uh, oh, stop it man we're here we're here in mount albert ontario
3: ladies yeah. and gentlemen search it up on a map yeah that's what it is appreciate you guys having yeah it took us quite a while to get out here actually <laughs> <laughs> i imagine and, and on the journey over- we you know kind of stewed our thoughts and ideas on the raptors and we're ready to kind of unleash them on you to to and this is what this is basically right is that it's been a year of vision 69 let's say and there's a lot of thoughts bubbling around what vision 69 is its efficacy all that kind of stuff and we'll start with the guests first how do you feel about vision 69 at this point in time not not only not only as it worked with the Raptors, but the Platonic ideal. Of
0: it. Yeah, yeah. throw me to the fire immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, just to just to go off what me and you have done before, I, you were part of the video that I did about Victor Wembanyama. A big part of that was the six nine vision and this vision of just adopting and and emphasizing length i think in general that does make sense as a concept for basketball uh to kind of double down on one specific trait and that trait being length and versatility and trying to kind of like derive versatility from that one aspect of basketball but the results which is another aspect of what we talked about has kind of changed my opinion on it um it's tough man. It, it it honestly is tough to look at this season with the Raptors and come out with like a full blown conclusion of what 6-9 the 6-9 vision should be. But if you look around the NBA, not just the Raptors, you look at the Orlando Magic, or the New Orleans Pelicans to a certain extent are doing something similar. Having length, having guys who can guard multiple positions, who can do multiple things on the court. That's always a win. It's always a W to be able to have guys who can do a plethora of things. The Raptors are trying to do that, but they're not doing it successfully, whether it be through injuries, whether it be through a lack of depth, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, as it relates to the Raptors, dot, 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 I'm not too sure. As it relates to like basketball, I think I still go with what the point of the video I made was, which I think it really is, we're trending towards... That being an emphasis in basketball even more and length being an emphasis in basketball over, overall, not overall, but like, I guess the emphasis would be on the league itself to double down on certain sizes, especially like certain positions like point guard and shooting guard, whatever those positions mean to you, like doubling down on the height for, for those positions, I think it's clear in like the trends that you see right now too. And I'm kind of
3: like just going at it, but you guys bring me to the fire. So so <laughs> there was something that we've talked about. Many people talked about last season was that it's kind of the chicken or the egg thing. And the season as well is that if the Raptors have a bad half court offense and they're trying to skirt the responsibilities of operating the half court by getting, in transition, pseudo transition stuff like that. When you look at a team that creates turnovers and does successfully, but plays a type of defense that's hard to maintain outside of those turnovers, and also doesn't build out their offensive repertoire based on like a structural sense, and as far as having the talent to do that, a lot of people discuss that. The Raptors quelled some of those questions by getting the fifth seed by being a very good defense for a long stretch, but. At the game the other night, when I asked Nick about this, Mm -hmm. he brought up that, not exactly chicken or the egg thing out of his mind, but he brought up, like, we're not scoring, so our transition D suffers. We're not doing anything that we're supposed to be doing offensively, so the defense suffers. And when a lot of people currently are saying the defense is what's wrong, because we already know the offense is not very good, and the offense, honestly, has been better than some people thought because of Pascal's growth. When you look at this, both of you guys, do you think this starts defensively? Do you think this starts offensively? What, where is the point you try and insert the? if you're trying to improve this team? what Where do you start? You want to go?
2: Yeah. I, I think it starts at the defensive end. the The big thing about this vision is that we knew the offense wasn't going to be good.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And with... With having an elite defense that was going to generate more turnovers and lead, and they're going to have enough sides to actually win the rebound battle, regardless of not having a true center. Um, there's been factors, obviously, that hasn't led to that. is one of the best rebounders on the team. He's been injured for most of the season. But a big thing that's been lacking for the team is at the point of attack. You've seen Scotty, he's that had issues. We've seen Fred. be a good defender but not necessarily the all-nba guy that we would expect and gary has an issue where he he gambles a lot and that leads to people getting to the rim that's defensive the defense needs to crash and that leads to open threes and other opportunities um for me the the big pitch was the raptors being a top 10 defense and that leading to more offense so if you're not accomplishing that, I don't see a viable option to where you can rely on your offense because that wasn't even a, a part of the pitch.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I, I kind of like to your point, I agree it's a chicken or the egg situation because I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Um, I think if you're looking at it from, a, OK, these are the cards we've been handed. This these, This is the deck we've been dealt and we have to kind of go from there, then I do think the defense is the issue. But if we go back and look at how this team is trying to be constructed, then I think it's an offense issue. Because if they're going in with the mindset of, hey, this offense is not going to work, we're not going to be that great of an offensive team, so we have to have this type of defense that forces turnovers, crashes the offensive class, wins the possession battle, overexerts itself, et cetera, et cetera, then... By this weird vicious cycle, it kind of makes it so that you have to have a great defense in order to counteract having a bad offense. I think construction-wise, if you look back at how they tried to build this team, if they kind of doubled down on adding more shooters, obviously they tried to kind of address that with guys like Otto Porter Jr. But I, I think it goes back to the roster construction itself. If they really wanted to double down on Pascal. And what this team looks like around him, adding shooters, adding other, you know, playmakers or creators or maybe a backup point guard. I think the offense can thrive and therefore maybe the defense can look a little bit better because you don't have to overexert yourself. You don't have to play as aggressive. You don't have to crash the offense, class every possession. You know what I mean? You don't have to try and force turnovers every single time. I think like it's kind of a recipe for disaster when you have to bank on those certain traits and then you have to double that down with, okay, we have to make our shots. So it's, it's kind of this, I don't know, it's, it's just, to me, it goes back to roster construction. But if you if you say, hey, this is what we've been dealt, these are the players that we have and we have to go out and kind of figure out what we can do, then I think it is a defense issue. And it goes back to like, how are they going to essentially –
3: optimize this defense so that the offense can kind of float and be okay? So the question I think is, if you have this platonic ideal of a big man, and let's say the Raptors, whether it's, you know, the Raptors needing a big man or whether it's any other team needing a big man, big men are important. But when it comes to the Raptors, do they need an offensive big man to help grease some of the wheels offensively? Or do they need a defensive big man? Because they probably can't get a guy who does both. This brings up the turtle question. This brings up the Miles Purtle question. This, this brings up all these types of questions, right? When we think about that, do you think that having turtles offensively helps juice that defense, helps them put them in a better position so that they can run out and helps solve offensive problems? Or would you rather a really solid offensive big man who helps to crash the glass, let's say, who finishes the pick and roll, who sets better screens, provides you know some touch shot making within the paint and then they get to run back on defense, set their defense and insulate that big man, kind of like what the Timberwolves did with Cat last year. What do you guys think of that? Do you have a preference? Nick Nurse has talked about this
0: though. Like even if we do, even if the Raptors do go ahead and get that defensive minded big man, he's he said like that doesn't give us a reason to stop being aggressive. If anything, that gives us a reason to be more aggressive. So I'm not sure if the defensive-minded big man is the solution. In theory, I guess it would be. But when it comes to this team and the way Nick Nurse wants to approach it, I think it would kind of counteract what we're talking about here where it's like they should probably be less aggressive. They should probably not be as chaotic of a defense. And that way, their offense can maybe thrive a little bit more and they can do a little bit more in offense and
2: whatnot. But I don't know. I, what do you think? I think an offensive center, if I were to choose between, like, Miles Turner or Jakob I'd choose Miles Turner, simply because it would maximize Pascal as a pick-and-roll ball handler. You actually have somebody, uh, the Raptors have really struggled with their big men getting the ball and having to make decisions and get into actual space, whereas he can punish his mismatch and make it a lot harder for people to crash on him because Pascal actually has the ability to throw a lob. So it increases his ability, and forces defenses to actually make decisions and allow our shooters who are eventually going to shoot well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> are we sure anymore? Are we sure? <laughs> I've been waiting for positive aggression for so long.
2: Sorry, continue. <laughs> They're eventually going to shoot well and they'll give, give them more opportunities and looks. With a more stable offense, that will allow them to probably play less aggressive and not rely on turnovers to win those win those possession battles. So I would say um, an offensive center would probably be the best gateway to maximize our best player. I think that's the most important thing in winning basketball games. So then,
3: when it comes to not only not only building up the team, but looking at league wide trends, and we like Miles Turner, Jakob Pertle, what these guys get traded for, six vision six nine. We've been focusing on the negative aspects of it mostly. What has been working? or what has been failing that you expect to kind of iron itself out and work in the future. you talked talking about shooting and guys having positive regression and guys actually making shots that they're supposed to. But what the Raptors have done is kind of more similar to the Bucks when they did the, the big length thing and they had their year where they were second in defense rather than the Pels who have a really unique and dynamic offense with all this length and have managed to couple together a decent defense still. But when you look at that, what do you expect to start working even if nothing changes? Or do you think like the same struggles continue to struggle, the room for growth remains the same? Like what's, what's the situation in that regard?
2: I think what will start working is that the Raptors will rebound a lot better. better. The, the big caveat in having being this aggressive and scrambling is that you are able to, as a team, Come together and, and rebound the ball just simply because you have four or five guys who are bigger than their average position. Um, with th- with them rebounding a lot better, the win, the possession battle will be much larger in their favor. So that will allow them to probably be a better defense in general, just because they're finishing finishing possessions. And then also at the point of attack, there's been a ton of injuries that have affected things, like Fred, Scotty, Precious. Having Precious, you saw that in the Indiana game, even though he was. He, As he said, he was very tired. Having a special uh, defender who actually can hoard um, ball handlers allows you to do so much more on, on defense. So I think a lot of those things will lead to better defense in the future. Okay. And, and you? I mean, like
0: league-wide, if we think about it, uh, the emphasis on rebounding is massive, especially offensive rebounding. Like generating extra possessions for yourself is massive. It's so emphasized. I mean, look at what the Memphis Grizzlies have been doing for the last couple of seasons with Steven Adams. Now you have other teams kind of continuing and following that trend of crashing the offensive glass, generating possession that way, including the Raptors.
3: What well, Monty Williams, just when he was here for the game against the Raptors, like Joe Wolfond asked him about that. He's like, hey, you guys started offensive rebounding a lot. And he said he had an assistant coach who sold him on the idea. They also saw it work with other teams, i.e. the Raptors. He talked about having to try and contain them that night. Monty Williams also discussed how along with offensive rebounding, they didn't face as much transition because they were the ones setting the tone by forcing teams not to run out in transition because they to help out on the glass. Like there's some. That's what I wondered about this Raptors thing. Was is this them taking advantage of something? Is this them hacking basket and jury rigging the possession battle and doing all this kind of stuff and then winning at the end of it? Mm-hmm. Or are they delayed to do something really, you know, as far as team building, as far as like play style, and what comes out of that mostly? and usually isn't the wins, isn't a championship, but small changes that help form how the league approaches like these these strategies. Like the Warriors changed everything and they won, but it was because of talent. The Raptors thrived in a bunch of different defensive sets and won, but that was because of defensive talent. They were daring and they had the talent. Yeah. Raptors seem to just be daring. And other teams have noticed. Other teams have praised them. But they're 16 and 21. And
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: while, while they may very well be changing the league to some degree, other coaches talk about, oh, yeah, Nick Nurse did this. And so we started looking at this, but they might just be the scapegoat. Like they tried it. They they became a dad point for other teams to look at something changing. I'm curious, is that too pessimistic?
1: No, I, I think
0: I think that makes honestly. If you even extrapolate that into life, there's like I know, I'm, I'm like, like like there's always the artist before the artist that cracks right. There's always the like the painter who never got noticed, but then there's Basquiat. You know what I mean? Like I'm not trying to go out and give you a, a, an amazing example here, but like at the end of the day, there's always the the thing before the thing, uh, and, and that might be the Raptors in this sense. You're saying singular
3: penis as a capitalist
0: is where you're doing. Like, Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah. Okay, yes. But like, okay, let's look at the, so you said the Warriors, right? Before that, it was Steve Nash and the Phoenix Suns. Now, they had tons of success, and that paved the way for a league-wide trend, right? But when you look at the Raptors, and honestly, other teams that are trying similar things, the double big lineups, et cetera, et cetera, the success of those things is what will determine how much other teams copy it. So obviously with Monty, Mill- Monty Williams, you mentioned you know, the Phoenix Suns saying, hey, this might work. Let's double down on this. There's going to be a team that cracks the code. Um, I wonder if we already saw that team in the Orlando Magic. Like Maybe that's the team that ends up cracking the code because they have all these ball handlers, all these creators. And they've sort of, to put it lightly, they are doing a Raptors x 6-9 vision, but they're doing it with guys who, quite frankly, are just more talented offensively. Also uh, a little bit bigger. And a little yeah. bit bigger. A smidge bigger. Yeah, like one inch technically, yeah. right? Six vision nine-tier. 6 ten, yeah. 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 But yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be that one team that breaks through. I think the Raptors are
3: probably the the big L and then there's the big E
1: that takes over into something, you know?
3: So the next conversation is the Fred one. I don't want to have this
1: conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so the next conversation is the Fred one. But quickly before we do that, I do want to ask if we think that Pascal, the, his, the singularity of his progression, do hmm. you think that created an unrealistic blueprint? that the Raptors like fell for? Or do you think that just, it's tough building a team? Yeah. You know, like when, they, when Bobby Webster says, yeah, we want like a bunch of guys who look like Pascal, and Pascal is the 27th overall pick, who comes in with like, a very limited offensive game, even a very limited overall and energy pick, who is now an offensive engine, initiator, all NBA player. You can't really chart that as like, okay, we'll follow this blueprint with other guys. Because nobody plays like Pascal, it's it's very tough to emulate. So I'm wondering if you think that that created like a false blueprint for the Raptors, or is that also maybe too pessimistic? I don't think the Raptors are wishful thinking that much, man. Like, uh-huh. I mean,
0: <laughs> like for, the, for them to say, yo, this one guy did it, so we're going to do it for everybody we see. I mean, I get it, but I think it's also like, uh, it's a good value it's a good value point. Like they see value in players like that. And I think the league recognizes value in players like that, or that, that archetype, right. That six, nine guy who can defend, he can guard multiple positions. He can create for himself. He can create for others. They say, Hey, if we can like maximize on that one type of player, maybe everybody else will want our players. And that's sort of what we're seeing right now with honestly, literally every single Raptor starter is, you know, kind of vaunted by almost every contender. It's, Hey, how can we get an OG and an Obi? How can we
3: get a Pascal Siakam? Right. So the yeah. qu- the question is, Siakam and OG predate the Vision Six Nine yeah. thing, right? So like, <laughs> are they built under the house of Six Nine, or is the house of Six Nine built in their image and nobody can meet that image? It's kind of like the idea, like Jaden McDaniels still like 128, twenty eight, you know, like it's yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what.
1: <laughs> um, anyway
3: anyway that's that's kind of just what I wanted to wonder
2: about do you have a, an opinion on that Um for me in terms of like the the entire vision I don't think the the skill sets in place like win consistently have not changed I think there's just bigger players are doing so and those bigger players are hoarded higher in the draft. Yeah. And that's the that's the big issue that the Raptors are facing right now. You're trying to not necessarily recreate Pascal because he's become all all NBA player, but they're trying to get the ninety five percentile opportunity from um, very low threshold picks, which are generally like end of bench rotation players, right. which is a, a very hard uh, situation to deal with. And to the, Build your team around and try to construct. Well, that's why Scotty is such
0: a big part of this because, like, they got that high pick. They got a guy with high upside, massive ceiling, and he fits that image. He fits the six nine mold. He fits a guy who can maybe at some point turn into not. I don't want to say a Pascal, but like uh, that type of player. Who knows what will happen? But to your point, like that's that's exactly it. They they suck a year. And in that year, they found a way to maximize on that and find that one guy who might be able to replicate
3: what Pascal is doing. So, yeah. Fred VanVleet. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to lay the groundwork for this one. You let me know if I'm being yeah. too unfair. Okay. So Fred Van VanVleet currently, as I understand it, is for the first time, like during his on-off were bad, during the Tampa season. They're not very good during this season. Mm -hmm. But when the team is winning, as he said prior to the season, he expects to be paid, he expects to be looked after, all this kind of stuff. Didn't take the extension. We'll test out the waters of the world out there. He's shooting historically for himself, poor from three. Mm -hmm. The pull-up seems to be fine. It's tracking normally. His catch and shoot stuff has fallen off a cliff. Um, He still does not threaten the rim, except for, there was a stretch where he was, it like, was a little bit of yeah. Alexander. Yeah, yeah, that was, crazy. he doesn't threaten the rim typically like a lot of other high usage guards or poor lead guards. He also doesn't play make as well as a guard. However, he still defends better than a lot of other guards, especially off ball, but has a step on ball. That is currently where we sit with Fred VanVleet that I think the expectation from people, that they've come to expect not being met. But I still think he's a positive impact on the team. But I still think there's a lot of room to be like, this needs to improve, this needs to get better. And especially for his sake as a guy who's trying to get a contract. So, Fred, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious where everyone's. Like, I'll, let, I'll let you go, go next. I'll let you go next. Do
0: your so,
1: thing. Go you so, so brave.
2: <laughs> Um, when, it, when it comes to Fred, I think we're kind of seeing like the, the accumulation of playing all those minutes at such a, at such a small guard mm-hmm. and having to literally carry the team through a really tough stretch last season. And injuries have caught up and that's probably led to overcompensation in other ways and might be the reason why he's shooting poorly now. I still think that he's a good player and that positive regression will come. I think the, the question here, or for the future, is whether we're going to see the diminishing returns over time. And we, we kind of spoke about it. Um, this Raptor team, in terms of like their minute distribution, are similar to like the Thibodeau bulls. where They hoard their starters for as many minutes as possible to try to win as many. So you
0: guys want to say the nickname, then? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm just
1: saying,
2: dancing around <laughs> yeah. it, talking about. It. <laughs> sure. Some may call him Nick Thibodeau. <laughs> but there was one player, like on the Bulls, that like um, was really a part of that culture and played as many minutes as possible. and That was Joe Kim Noah. Yeah, he had a really high peak, mm-hmm. which helped carry them through the season, mm-hmm. and then fell off immediately. Yeah, because of that reason. Yeah. I'm not saying. That I'm, not, I'm not saying that this is oh, man. immediate, but I think we're we're witnessing that we're facing the same reality, and uh, which is why I have questions heading into later of the season because we're
0: okay. all right. Jumping back in here, I actually, you know, what's crazy because like I wish you guys were like so anti-Fred, you know, I I fight with. People on Twitter, it's crazy. Some people are saying, whatever, you know, I'm not going to get into that, but um, we can get there. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, what you guys said is not off base at all. He has lost juice as an on ball defender. He's still incredibly uh, intelligent, off ball, can do the dig, he can still kind of get the get the, uh, the crowd in the passing lane, creep, and then try to steal it when, when someone's doing that skip pass. He always does that type of stuff. Uh, the shooting has fallen off the cliff. That is kind of something I wanted to talk to you guys about. It's like, do you guys think that'll ever get back to what it is? I'm, I'm sure
3: that's part of the discussion here. But is it a given? Do you think it comes back 100%? I'm just saying, like, how... How many times have we seen a dude, and we
0: have seen it sometimes, but like, how many times have we seen a dude fall off a cliff this badly and never <laughs> recover like that? I guess that's the only the
2: the only thing I have with the shooting stuff is like, at some point, it has to be a little bit better, right? I think the question probably more is like, last season he was probably like one of the be- five best shooters in the league, yeah, and maybe the best, honestly. The uh, that yeah, that's true. Yeah, if he returns to uh, like. 70 percentile of that. That's probably a fairly elite shooter, but yeah. his impact goes down significantly because of recent Samson said. Yeah. So the big deal to me isn't that we're
3: looking at this season. It's that, and this is the Joakim Noah aspect of it. Yeah. Since the all-star break of last season, from that stretch to the end of the season, he shot 29%. Yeah, it's his been awful. Shoot threes. Mm-hmm shooting either 32 or 33% on them during this stretch as well. We're getting close to a full season sample <laughs> of this type of shooting. That is troublesome. A full season
0: is troublesome. I don't deny that. That is that is pretty bad. But okay. The seasons prior to that, yeah. Really great sample size for him being a decent shooter. I'm just, I'm just saying, I say. I, like, I, like for him to get back to that, to get back to pre All Star form last season, I don't think that'll happen. And I think the the worries you guys have in terms of contract and how he may look on that next contract is totally fine. And I think that's a big reason why the Raptors probably will listen to offers if there are offers out there in the next couple of weeks for Fred VanVleet, there's no question about that. But at this point in time, would you move Fred VanVleet knowing, knowing that there's not much you're gonna get in return for a guy who is shooting like this over the last season, who is a small guard entering his, what, he's 30, gonna be 30 soon, right? Um, That's a tough question to ask yourself. It's like, do we keep this asset that might be depreciating very quickly, or do we try to send it out as soon as possible to salvage some kind of value? That's the question that I would pose to you guys. Like, I totally agree. Yes, the defense has dropped off a bit. The shooting has dropped off a cliff. What happens now? Because what do you do from that, from the Raptors' perspective,
3: when you're not gonna get back the same value you would've if you traded him last year at the All-Star break, right? So this is this is like the conversation. It's not even about Pascal, really, because I haven't seen anybody. I mean, you see people on Twitter who wanna trade Pascal, who wanna yeah. blow up, yeah. sure. But most people don't wanna trade Pascal. Most people think the future of this team, whatever it looks like, includes him. Fred seems to be the, the delineation point where people, that's where they separate because Fred, at least from looking at the way I analyze basketball, it seems like you're not going to get a more impactful player for the positive side of things back. Right, And especially even even at the level he's currently at, not close to where he might be able to get if there's positive regression with the shooting. You won't get that back. However, (laughs) if he is truly... Right. Like if his career is going in this way where his body's going to continue to take on this tool and you don't want to be the person left holding the bag, let's say, or you think that there's a small extra piece of value you can get for this because you don't plan on resigning him, mm-hmm. then that makes sense. But if you're trading away Fred, I think you're accepting that you're making the team worse this year at the very least. And
0: maybe even next year, depending on how your office Yeah. yeah. Which which goes back to the Pascal conversation though, right? Because it's like, how do you how do you convince a guy who, uh, for all intents and purposes, is probably going to be an all NBA p- player,
3: will probably be eligible for the Supermax? Well,
0: so, depending on how bad they, feel. <laughs> yeah, you're right.
3: That's that's yeah. like that's the thing. Yeah. If if he plays for a team that is so bad that he could average LeBron numbers <laughs> and not make all NBA, i.e loses him about 40 million dollars yeah I don't know dude is he,
0: so,
1: <laughs> is so he that, coming so back get
0: into the conversation of oh my god next year Pascal is a free agent and like hey we we probably should have been having this conversation about Fred last year when he was it, it was tough to have that conversation but the dude was having an incredible all-star level season we just we probably couldn't have that conversation because of it. The same thing in a lot of ways probably applies to Pascal because of the fact that, like, hey, dude, this team is going in a direction that might not
3: be good enough for you. How are we going to convince you to stay? Well, also on top of that is that Fred, I think people were talking about his athleticism declining. And I tell you what, everybody would be perfectly fine with the slight drop off, even well more than slight drop off defensively that Fred has just been showing. If the if the shooting yeah. which traditionally ages quite well mm-hmm. if the shooting stuck around, you know, 16, 17, 41% on catch and shoot. Yeah. Next year 44.5. Next year 41, next year on 44. On decent attempts too, just next man. year 38, next year 43, and then the post All Star break, you get 29 and they get 32, 33 this year. That is odd, and that that means, like, for a small guard who when the Raptors are trying to operate in this offense where it's like, yeah, we go after mismatches, and while Fred can run some pick and roll, it's really helpful that a shooter of his caliber is sitting on the end of these possessions,
1: Mm -hmm.
3: and now he's not a shooter of that caliber. It just cuts the legs off of so many of their offensive possessions that it ends up in his hands, and that used to be, like, a win. In January of last year, it was a 50% shot for him. The catch and shoot, 50%. Almost like it's in the realm of being as valuable as the Giannis dunk. Like, <laughs> that is a super big deal. But he's not shooting the ball well. Mm-hmm. And so basically, I think it comes down to, do you believe in the shot?
2: I, I don't see a scenario where he, he's a 29% shooter for this much longer. I, I pray, at least. <laughs> but um, you also have to consider the history with guards. Of our lifetime, there's probably a handful of guards who age really well into their early 30s, and his next contract is going to bring him to probably 30, 31, 32, actually.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So in most cases, unless he's Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook for his, a bit of his early 30s, um, he's probably going to decline. For, for me, at least, I don't think that there's... I think we're a bit of an impasse because for him, seeking the most amount of years and the most amount of money makes sense for him. And for the Raptors who don't necessarily get free agents and need to nail every deal because they acquire talent more through trades, yep. they need to be able to secure a good deal from him or trade him. Right. So I I, I don't see a scenario where he's going to do us a favor. So I, w- I would look for offers and see if there's something I, I agree. I, I would, too. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying, see, I even tweeted this and
0: people get mad at me because I'm like, "Wait, how are you defending Fred VanVleet, but also- You named your dog after him, bro. Yeah, oh, yeah I did, yeah. I did. No, but like, how would you, first of all, it was for Freddy's, let's be real. Yeah, yeah. Fred, Freddy Gibbs, Freddy Krueger, Freddie Mercury, and Mr. Fred VanVleet. But look, the shooting is something that- Freddie Krueger? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, you didn't
3: know that? No, dog.
0: No,
1: there you go. All right, bless. Wait,
3: you just like those movies, or like he's a uh, he's a hero of sorts? No, no, no. He used to scare the crap out of me. Yeah. A kid, so I just like conquering yeah, fear. Conquering fear. Yeah. Okay.
1: Good yeah. for you. Yeah.
0: Exactly. But also, it's like Freddie's a cool name. Anyways, um, when it comes to Fred, I 100% believe that they should listen to offers. I guess my thing is like at a value point. Like, do you end up? trading him when what's the package you're getting in return at this point that that and look the the trade-off might be the fact that like in the summer committing to him for four years might be even worse right but i think it's tough to swallow trading a guy who was an all-star last year for maybe maybe
3: a first round pick and a young guy
1: (laughs) maybe this,
3: this is what i'm wondering about i need to crowdsource this with other writers or something what the hell is Fred Van Vliet's value? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I Like a a guy who is on the verge of a contract Mm -hmm. who is not shooting well. At all. Right. Who is showing that like he's injured every fifth game. Lower body injury. He has a bunch of stuff going on. What? Is that like a second round pick? Is that a
1: first round (laughs) pick? What,
3: What is that on the open market? Like, you know, that's the funny thing about this, right? And that's why I fought the, I didn't, back when Pascal was under so much fire, I wasn't saying like, oh, you can never trade Pascal because he's too cool a guy and he's so nice. You can never trade that guy. It was like, why on earth? Because he's, and the difference is Pascal was under contract for a long time afterwards. But it's like, why on earth would you trade somebody at their lowest value? And you won't give them a chance to prove that like, hey, things are coming back. So Fred, shoot it really well before February 9th.
0: But even then, dog, even then, if like he has this sick stretch of 40% shooting for like a week, does that really convince a team? Like,
3: hey, I'm going to do it. And and Honestly, no, because the five games before last game, he was shooting 38% on 10 attempts from downtown. And the value was going up. I mean, uh, the the other thing I'll say uh, on the Fred front is like, what about that player option
0: what if he just opts in because it i mean from his point of view if he goes out and looks in the open market and he's like ah this is not what i expected and he comes back and he's like you know what I'm going to take one he's done, on uh, he's done the bet on myself before he's done the bet on myself before I'm just saying
2: I mean like not taking this extension was already the bet. Yeah, yeah that is true. That is true. Yeah. Should should have stuck <laughs> <took> the extension. Can <laughs> <laughs> can also say the dice
3: man Really great nickname. Yeah, it's a great nickname. Like, it, it's not it's not like there's another there's a word that starts with M that gets used for Fred a lot. It's not really a, a word we would say here. Not, it's not like the worst thing in the world, but it's not like really a word you throw around. So the Dice Man, as far as like a slanderous nickname, is pretty fun and like lighthearted. But yeah, I don't know what happens with Fred. And the, I think the imp- you use the term impasse. I think that's what it is, right? Because the Raptors have so many external pressures mm-hmm. to be good. Yep. And especially since this is what we talked about on the drive over. Could you imagine? You had a pop now- on the drive over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anybody listening, try not to get too worried about this idea, but it is a nasty idea. You draft Pascal at the 27th pick. Develop him to this point. This is the guy who's hit a championship clinching shot in his career. Over Draymond Green Euro step floater. This guy won Most Improved Player. He's been an All NBA player twice to this point. He's been an All Star starter. Even if he doesn't make All NBA this year, he's going to make the All Star
1: team. Could you imagine losing that guy <laughs> in free agency? Well, him just oh, walking too. Yeah, exactly. Oh my yeah,
3: God, right. that, that would be. You know, there's like the believe in the city, believe in yourself. Yeah, I yeah. Feel like that would just undercut everything. Because mm-hmm. he's that guy. Whether whether you think he's a first guy or a second guy, it's almost as hard to get the second guy in a championship team as it is to get that first guy. Who had a chance at Kyrie? Like three teams ever. Who who has a chance at these secondary guys? Three teams ever. You know, and Pascal. Even if you don't think he's number one, there's no way you don't think he's at least. A number two yeah and that's a silly binary discussion but it's a discussion people have so
0: well okay given given what happened in tampa right given what happened uh what's happening this season with you know him potentially losing out on all nba if they go downhill right and given the fact that he will be a free agent in 2024 for the first time he, he has a chance to kind of gallivant and see who wants it talk to me nice do you <laughs> yeah exactly at this point like do you entertain the idea of i don't want to say it out loud because i don't want it to happen I wait mean, wait 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 wait, wait wait wait, wait 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 i'm just <laughs> what are you going to say i right now? You know what i'm going to say I, look i've t- tweeted it a million and one times the raptors front office has to make every decision from now until the summer of 2024 with the idea that pascal has to stay that is like the thing they have to do but they know what's up they know that the man is probably not the most happy person in the world right now at some point man you know i'm just saying like say the word you might have to look and see what's out there. I'm just just,
1: (laughs) People. I'm just saying he
0: set up the table. I'm just here as the messenger. No, like really though, really. At some point, like it's hard to swallow, but given what you said, him just walking out the door is 10 times harder to swallow, right?
3: That's crazy, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, Big, like, you know, I did not expect this. Yeah, I
0: know. It's, it's, it's a good take. It's a it's a tournament. It's a
3: good it's a good take for the um, for the entertainment of it. Yes. I man, I don't think you try and trade Pascal Man out. No. I, I agree with you, but
0: I'm saying given everything you just personally laid out, how do you not if the offer is massive, if the offer is like whatever you could imagine. Rudy Gobert style offer more than Rudy Gobert
3: style offer. How do you you want to trade Pascal for Rudy Gobert?
0: Oh yeah, no, I'm just saying in general, like if if we the cards are aligning in a way that he's going to test out 2024,
3: like so if Pascal says I'm out of here, yeah, trade me and like sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. However, I'm a, he hasn't. Yeah, I I don't know if that comes around but if if the raptors are in a position where they have to punt on pascal either to trade him or they lose him that is a colossal failure of the front office. I think people would finally be like, okay, there's no juice in the front office. After thinking it was the <laughs> juiciest <laughs> front office. Oh out there. Like, like, like it's, it's like a handsome front office. It's a cool front office. It's the yeah. front office that does things in other markets in the world. You know, it's like it shakes things, things up. Yeah. They won a championship. They
2: did it all. If they lose Pascal, <laughs> the, the, Trey, thoughts? I don't think that's a, a, a scenario where you can ideally let Pascal go. No, like comparatively yeah. to other stars who have really like asked out, they're they usually are lacking like talent in at the top. The Raptors don't really have an issue at the top, I would say. Like you have Scotty who you would assume entering his third year at 2024 that would be taking like a substantial leap. Yeah. Which typically players are like around his pick range do. And then you also have OG who's shown ability to be a great secondary player off of him. So, I I think even if you were to trade Fred and take a slight step back to either A, get more draft capital, or B, um, add more balance to the team, I think just simply through the internal development of Scotty and OG, who are especially OG, who's shown improvement every single season, that will probably balance itself out and allow Pascal to feel more comfortable in the direction. And also, There's a good chance he makes All NBA team and gets a Supermax. Yeah, yeah.
0: Not many players turn it. Look, all I'm saying is, like, if if we're going down this like rabbit hole of, oh, he might not make All NBA, and oh, he might not be Supermax eligible, and oh, by the way, we're going to trade the guy that you've been building with since your rookie season, and oh, by the way, we're also going to take a step back, a minor step back in your contract year, and develop these young guys. That's a hard
3: thing to convince a player that's all i'm saying yeah that's all i'm saying i have a question it's hard to put these questions into like binary but i'm gonna try and do it okay so let's say you can trade a first round pick for a center or you can get a first round pick for fred van vliet which would you rather I
0: don't, I don't this is the me. Sean Woodley question. This is the Is it? would, is it, would you know, would you rather be the sixteenth uh pick, you know, or the eighth pick this year, really?
3: Oh uh, oh the ratio.
1: Yeah, yeah the ratio, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Sean. yeah. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: but no, I mean it is kind of like a similar question. I would personally, given what we look at for this Raptors team right now. It's probably trade Fred for a oh, first, Good man.
1: Yeah,
3: it, it's something. Look, man. If if we I, zoom that camera <laughs> in over there.
0: <laughs> if I'm saying this, I, I, if I'm saying this, out of all people, you guys probably know that this is something that's poignant. Like the man. Yes, I understand that he is entering a contract year where he will. Uh, sorry, he's entering an an off season where he's probably going to get the biggest the last big payday of his career does he end up getting that payday does he end up getting it from another team I'm kind of curious to see what kind of value he even gets in the market right now if it's a first plus maybe something else that can fill that up I would look to entertain that because like what Port- like what Portland did last right. year where it's like a small let's maneuver this way and point the camera this way instead type of thing. I would entertain that idea because it still keeps your core of Pascal. It still keeps your core of OG and Scotty and Precious, and you can kind of build through that and figure out what happens from there. Otherwise, I don't know. Portland
3: Portland is what comes to mind for me as well, yeah, too. Just because of name and Pascal being comparable in terms of impact, I suppose. And like, okay. OG... Oh, well. OG is probably a better piece than... Uh, I, I know there's like Simon's people, but like, OG is probably a better no. piece than Scott scotty but yeah he did it man portland did such a good job
0: of just yeah. and they did it when uh like right after they signed him into that supermax so the raptors have a little bit more of an advantage salary wise because they don't have that
3: supermax number on their books yet so like, but also og is more expensive than simon's that's true sure. that is true yeah but yeah. grant is more expensive than barnes right yeah anyway something's yeah. gonna happen um Trade? <laughs> you want Miles? Is, own, is, is, you is want Trey?
2: Answer, is Trey? Is Trey? Okay. There, there is no way you can trade trade a pick for any player. The, the team hasn't shown enough competence where. Oh, so
0: um, okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the, the team hasn't shown enough where you can believe in throwing another piece that's going to lead to them getting past the first round. Right. So if I were to choose between the two, it would probably be, be Fred. I, I honestly I honestly think um, with losing his impact, the team will be obviously worse for the first season, maybe two. But you've picked a, a guy in the top four and, and have put him up and made him think that he's going to be the guy that propels us to another level. So if that does happen... Where ideally that impact gap is going to be filled, and Ozan getting better will do that as well. I, I the major issues I think with the team is that there's been such misses around the margin yeah. that has exacerbated Fred not playing well, um Gary having a slow start to the season. They have no margin for error because you pick Malachi Flynn, you miss in the second round. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Before we
3: get into that, I'll say my opinion first. Go ahead. This is both a reflection of uh, my thoughts on the team mm-hmm. and how highly I rate Precious Situa. If Precious Situa cannot make this team respectable as the five, then the difference between he and whatever center you're trading for, Insert I don't think it's going to be that big. Mm-hmm. So I think you'd have to say that I would exercise the other (laughs) option.
0: Doesn't want to say it out loud. Um, Okay. I agree. And I think we all agree here. Like we all said the same answer, but the question becomes, and you mentioned this with Gary. It's like, do you maybe look to trade both? Because that's another guy. Yep. that people have mentioned a bunch in trade rumors. A deal texted you, didn't he? Hey, he told me, get it done. No, but like, you know, again, we're talking about value. That's a guy that probably has more value than Fred VanVleet right now, especially because he's younger, uh, especially because he's, he's going through a pretty decent shooting stretch over the last couple of weeks, whatever you want to call it. So is there something to be had there where you trade both?
3: I think they have a similar value right now. Yeah? If I had to guess, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. He went down on the value spectrum. Gary's probably sort of... Gary's taking his slow climb, but yeah. he's also on that expiring. Yeah. Because Gary will not be taking his option. No. We, we discussed that. No. Gary is <laughs> not taking his option. No. Would, um. Yeah, I would, I would entertain packages around Fred and Gary, but it's completely dependent on what's coming back. Right? Yeah. Do you have anything in the ballpark? Is no, this- no, no, I have no idea. I mean, people have brought up the idea of
0: like, oh, Minnesota needs guards. So I, what kind of deal works there? And obviously the big guy in the middle has been brought up as a potential guy. I don't think that's something that Minnesota would entertain this season. But, you know, I don't know. Just something along the lines of packaging those two together. To maybe recruit something that's better than just a first-round pick, or you know, get you some young guys in, in exchange.
3: That was um, I did that piece with Caitlin Cooper where we were kind of talking back and forth, and she had mentioned like, well, you know, the, the Pacers have like extra bigs and extra guards, and the Raptors have extra wings. Like, is there something to be done there? But it sounds like we don't want to trade any of the Raptors' wings. Yeah, yeah. We just want the good guards and centers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually I'm scrolling up to see if I can try and find Nabil's the um, Google doc of all his traits. Right. Most yeah. of them include years. <laughs> sure you brought it? up an
0: interesting one though, uh the Clippers. Because they have an excess of young age. Oh, right. And like they have their pick available to them in however long from now, twenty twenty nine or twenty twenty six I don't remember which one it is, but I, I don't know. Fred VanVleet is a Kawhi Leonard guy, and Gary Trent Jr. Uh, Wait, normal. Fred is a Kawhi guy? You think? I think they're yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 I
1: don't know.
3: Uh, okay, actually, yeah, you might be right. You might be right. <laughs> um, you, um, gonna yeah. disagree on that point. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I definitely, um, I definitely, Terrence Mann. Like, you can't trade based on just, like, the personalities.
1: Yeah.
3: Patrick Beverly went to the Lakers. To the Lakers. Right. You know, like, if, if Russell Westbrook doesn't have the cachet, Fred VanVleet doesn't have the cachet, you know? Like, is, even though Fred and, and Russ are both dealing with different types of, like, having less value or, or less impact than they're used to. But, yeah, I do really wonder what happens with with these guys because the Raptors, it could be the case that they're not very good going forward. Maybe some people think Precious saves the season. Like maybe some people think Precious makes them respectable over a certain stretch. I think that may be more realistic, but you're just respectable. And you're sitting on top of a Gary contract, a Fred contract, Siakam looming, OG looming, like, and you see... I I think Gary, you can look at his game and see like his his progression is a slow crawl and I like it, but you don't see like this big explosion with him coming. Yeah, Uh, Maybe an OG, honestly, after this year, I think you can expect a slow crawl as well. But the big explosion that some of us were hoping was coming, I don't think you can bet on that either. In fact, you almost closed the book on it. Right. We we kind of have an understanding of what he'll be. He'll get better. We have an understanding. Of Of like what the range is ranges scotty you don't know but those guys you're keeping in-house what you do know is that fred and pascal are not leading a team they can't drag mm-hmm.
1: yeah. like maybe they,
3: they, last year for sure Fred in the early part of the season pascal in the but you know that these guys can't drag a team
2: <sighs> tough. tough tough i don't know i think the the major question is um like the path to them like flipping the season over on its head is Precious plays better. They continue to play the starters 35-plus minutes to win those five to six extra minutes that other teams aren't playing their starters to win more games. Um, to get out of the plan or even to get to the first round in general, is that worth it, though? Yeah,
3: right, yeah.
2: Is it worth it to you? No.
0: no. <laughs> what if What if I were to tell you, like, okay – uh, a la Rudy Gay trade, okay? Yeah. Somehow they end up moving Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. They get a bunch of these young pieces back, maybe some first-round picks, and somehow, some way, they scrap their way to a play-in spot, okay? They scrap their way to a first-round series. Would you be happy then if it's like these young guys
2: instead? Yeah, or- but that's, that's totally different. I think the major probably issue I would have is that they – probably shorten potentially shorten the career of like Pascal or OG if their potential peak to get to one round because right. we've seen how Fred has looked the last season we've seen it with other teams having a similar story so the the major issue for me is just making sure that the, the long term health and making sure that Pascal is at a certain level that aligns with Scotty's trajectory right. and staying there for a long period of time, baseline. You're
3: more comfortable with trading the Raptors' proven but diminishing asset in Fred than you are a trading a uh, pick yeah. to try yeah. and get another proven asset in, like a center or right. you know, sure. like a combo guard or something like that.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm with that too. It's tough. It, this this is like they were
3: supposed to be good. Bro. Yeah, yeah, they were supposed to be good. <laughs>
0: No. I remember our, uh, our like preseason pods talking about, oh, can they flirt with like a top three
1: seed?
2: For, for like two weeks, it looked good.
3: <laughs> yeah, it did. Pascal, they came out, they beat Cleveland. He started, you know, popping off. Mm-hmm. It's um, yeah, the people who listen to the up Trade podcast know that we were the first episode that we did quite happy with what was going on and we're like, damn, this is good. Pascal kind of being this good changes their trajectory. It it lifts the ceiling a little bit. Who knows what happens with Scotty? OG looks good. And then the bottom fell out of everything. Some of it due to injury, some of it due to, you know, the collapsing nature of their defense, which brings us back around to Vision 6-9, I guess, which (laughs) will be the last thing we talk about. Just do you think that the Raptors should continue on this path? That's, that's the, it doesn't have to be a yes or no at all, but it can be. I will say no. What would you say? I would say no.
1: Oh, okay.
3: So I'm famous for context and (laughs) coaching takes, but I'll tell you this much. Even when they started doing this, I said, I don't think this is the way you team build. Right. I still believe that, Matt. I think that you have to get good players and good coaches figure out how good players fit together and style. Mm-hmm. I don't think style dictates basketball. And the Raptors, whether they're just kind of tying this up and saying like, oh, this is you know, this is branding. Like they, they got Scotty Barnes, they had OG, they had Pascal. They're like, we'll use this term. People ran with it, obviously. We're currently running with it. Is this just good marketing? But, you know, like, (laughs) is that the case or did they believe it? It doesn't really matter because this is where we are. Did they
0: believe in their own sauce? Did they get lost? Was
2: Was there hubris? I think they, they saw like a market deficiency where there's these players that aren't necessarily You can get into lower rounds. And if you hoard those players together, they're, that's going to lead to wins. And you saw that last year. Most teams don't have four, six, nine guys who are going to crash the glass. yeah Do we, do we think that they didn't believe in Pascal to
3: get yes. to this point? 100%. Yes, 100%. Because their drafting strategy indicates very long development yeah. programs. Yep. And then Pascal... Actually, I think that's the easiest answer yeah. is that the Raptors chose a path that looked like it would fit Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. And then Pascal became one of the 15 best players in the league. And like, oh, yeah, we have this guy still. And, yeah. <laughs> and you look at that and you say, man, Scotty can be a really great player in the future. He might, and he might be great. He'll probably be great. But even in that greatness, he might not be this good. Mm-hmm. And that's the crazy part about it. Yeah. And so suddenly now it seems like, oh, it's a problem that Pascal (laughs) is so good. When in reality, it's not a problem at all. It's a good problem to have. Like it's one of those type of things. If everybody else is playing well, if things keep up. If when you're the fifth seed and everybody talks about how returning players and having your rotation return for the next season is supposed to indicate continuity and a good record. And, you know, the, the studies they've done on it statistically indicate that that will be the case. Yeah. And then everybody gets injured and then it's just not the case. Right. And then you're bad at things you used to be good at and you're waiting to see if it turns around. The one
0: thing I'll say on Vision 6-9, shik-
1: vision,
0: vision uh, the one thing I'll say on that is that in the NBA, in basketball in general, when you focus on one aspect, you kind of negate yourself of everything else that's happening in the game. You look at like the Houston Rockets in that Warriors era right and they they just said hey man we're gonna do that was a fun team it was so it was fun. Fun I team. wanted it so yeah. bad them. imagine in a different universe if that team won a championship how different basketball would look right now and I think in a similar vein it's like look that team tried to be like we are going to do this and this only and this will be the only thing that we do and we will thrive in it and they were this close to actually doing it but you so I don't think you can win like that. I think the NBA playoffs and basketball in general has showed that like, you have to be able to do a bunch of different things. And if you select one certain thing that you're going to be good at, you will always get beat by people that can do multiple things. And this yeah, is,
3: that's it. This is the thing about the Raptors too and the marketing aspect of it. They're not a versatile team. you said it a million times. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh yeah, they can do anything. It's like, no. They can, do like, <laughs> they can do, like, two things. Even on offense, they can do, like, two things. And we see that. And it's not even, like, just Nick Nurse. I think that Nick Nurse is a good coach, especially coaching his roster, coaching for wins. Now, I have problems with the way he discusses his players in media. I have problems with um, the way that the Raptors' health, many different Raptors' healths have been handled, all that kind of stuff, is that his fault is that... Because he knows a lot less than the medical staff, all that kind of stuff. Who knows? I have problems with him. That not like actual problems, like you know. <laughs> but I have qualms with some of the approach. But as far as like, he's coaching the team to try to win, and I don't think that he's losing them games. Really, I think that the roster is losing them games. Yeah, and the way that the roster is built is losing them games. And I think that the inflexibility has more to do with roster then the coach with, with Nick Nurse. And like, that's just the way it is. Yeah. It's tough. It's, While we'll still saying, like, Nick, I'd like you to be better at your job, just the same way you want me to be better at mine. So, <laughs> I'll say, for anybody who uh, listened to this whole thing, you rock. Thank you. Um, you might then be interested in coming to a live podcast that S and I will be participating in. I'm hosting uh, well, Lewis and I are hosting, and then S and like a slew of other people are guesting. There's some surprise guests as well, and uh, it's February seventh, right before trade deadlines. So hopefully, some spicy conversations. Oh God, um, I just forgot, at, about it. I forgot about. I Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're gonna have to advocate for a friend to be traded all over again. And, um, and it's at during the
1: show. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It's um, it's at Rivoli. And uh, it's at 7 p.m. It costs $20 for a ticket. It comes with a free drink. Drinks are expensive. They're like around like, I don't know, like 7, 10 bucks. So maybe it's a $10 ticket. If you're an all-star subscriber, then it's only a $10 ticket. Um, So if anybody wants to do that, feel free. There's also on January 29th, a three-on-three tournament that I think is very close to being full up, if it isn't. But anyway, check that out. Um, It's the 10th annual one. This is... Besides a who you've seen on the youtube channel, this is the three we have a team the winning team yes sir the winning team I've
0: lost I have lost what one game
1: it's one singular game
3: yeah it's tough man
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway
3: uh if you want to participate or even watch some people watch um Simulu was at one maybe other famous people will show up you know mean, yeah. famous people <laughs> <laughs> uh, any any uh a final notes, parting shot, Tell us.
2: Um For me, I, I generally think that there's going to be some sort of middle ground. I feel like we're hitting like a bottom tier outcome of what this team would look like. And there's going to be some sort of regression to what we were thinking. Um, the question is probably, is it too late?
1: What a great way to end! this is, (laughs) and
3: it's It's like like, we're talking about the Raptors and climate change, dog. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh,
3: Yeah, man.
0: um, I mean, I don't have really anything positive to add to that, other than the fact that I appreciate you guys coming here all the way to uh, freaking Mount Albert on the mansion stop that. Um, And yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's it's cool to to kick it in the humble abode to Mm -hmm. be with y'all. So thank you. Humble
3: does a lot of work there. Um, (laughs) Uh, Listener, thanks for tuning in. If you're watching this on YouTube, like the video because that helps subscribe to the channel. Most importantly, subscribe over at raptorsrepublic.com. You'll get all of my written work, all of Lewis's written work, which I think, you know, I hope you enjoyed this, but I think my written work is the best thing I do typically. Not actually, not better than this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Trey
2: was about to put oh, the
3: <laughs> present company. All my other podcasts are not as good as my uh, written work, but uh, the podcasts with Trey are significantly better than anything else I do. Um, yeah, do that if you're listening on the podcast channel. Please uh, just continue listening. And thanks for listening. Let us chop it up with you. Uh, that's it. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, this is the first in-person podcast. Yes, it is. is. Since, Since when? The third reaction podcast I ever did, which I did at Lou. Lew- oh wait, wait, wait. It was at an Airbnb that I had rented out in Toronto, mm-hmm. and Lewis came over, and we were like handing the mic back and forth for a reaction <laughs> podcast, and that was in the year of the championship, 2019.
1: Damn. Our holy lord. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Uh, bye, everybody. We'll see you.